0: Well, uh, last week we started a two-part series on grieving together. Together was our theme for the year, and I think as the year has progressed, uh, it's definitely become a need uh, that we we learn as a church uh, to grieve together, because we've definitely uh, suffered our fair share of losses. Um, uh, Last uh, time we talked about um, really how God works through our grief, uh, as as hard as it is. Uh, We talked about two things, right? He strengthens our soul through grief and loss, and He grows our compassion. and so tonight I want to continue uh, the second part here. Maybe we'll share a little bit too here uh, in a moment. Um, uh, just about uh, the idea of, of, of kind of the process. How, how do we, what, is a, what is a healthy process? Because we can understand grief, we can understand loss. But what is a healthy process biblically in that approach? Um, we'll be using the Psalms actually uh, to help us with that in the life of David. Um, psychology says there are five stages of grief. That's pretty well known. Um, denial, anger, bargaining depression and acceptance um, tonight we're going to look at a more biblical approach uh, kind of three spiritual stages and you would see them right now if we had the projector working uh, in grief um, and these are generalizations it's not it's not specific uh, this is a, an understanding through a biblical Framework of grief Uh, these don't necessarily come in chronological order you might experience one before the other uh, but they often do progress one after the other uh, when you look at the scriptures and you look at life in general and they are, the first is noticing the second is waiting and the third is changing so if you're taking notes tonight uh, noticing, waiting and changing are the three things uh, that we're going to focus on here, these three spiritual stages if you will uh, and grief, um, and as I said, we're going to talk about David a little bit. Uh, you know, David uh, famously in First Samuel thirteen fourteen is known as a man after God's own heart, right? He's very, very famously known for that. Uh, and, and yet, many of his psalms, and he wrote a lot of them, often speak of loss, right? Grief, sadness, and frustration uh, in life. And an interesting picture in his life. Turn to Second Samuel one. An interesting picture in, in, in David's life. Um, This should be a moment really where he he feels a great sense of relief and a great sense of anticipation. Saul and Jonathan have fallen on the battlefield. Saul was pursuing David as his enemy and his threat for almost a decade. And Saul gets killed on the battlefield along with his son uh, Jonathan, who of course David was very close to. Uh, And in 2 Samuel 1, David hears of their death, Saul and Jonathan. And in verse 17, it says, David took up this lament. In 2 Samuel 1, verse 17, concerning Saul and his son Jonathan, and he ordered in verse 18 that the people of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Jashar. A gazelle lies slain on your heights, Israel, how the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Mountains of Gilboa, may you, may you have neither dew nor rain. May nor showers fall on your terraced fields. For there the shield of the mighty was despised. The shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. Verse 22, from the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. I'm sorry, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan in life, they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. Had the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain in your heights. I grieve for you, brother. Jonathan, you are very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. Verse 27, how the mighty have fallen, the weapons of war have perished. And you know, David is about to step into a civil war. The house of Saul is not going to easily hand over the keys of, uh, to the kingdom to him. Um, and as I said, Saul is pursuing him for ten years, and yet... David, you know, he stops and he pauses at the, at, at the death of Saul. And he pauses at the, at, the, at the death of Jonathan. And he calls all of Israel. In verse 18, he says, All of them are to learn this song of lament. This song of lament. And like I said, logically, we, we wouldn't be thinking in his position that he's in that he would be, you know, wanting to slow down and stop and, and, and grieve and mourn the loss of really his enemy Saul. Uh, and his close mate there, Jonathan But that's exactly what he does And he says in verse 24 To the daughters you know, uh, of Israel He says they should be weeping They should be weeping And so God's people In order to mature in some ways Must learn to lament together Because that's what David calls them to He calls them to lament together uh, More psalms actually are laments Than any other type of song When you go through all the psalms uh, Over half of them Of the 150 are just that They're songs of lament uh, and so the Psalms deal closely uh, with this often uh, first stage of grieving, which is that of noticing. As I said, David slows down. He, he, he works through this loss. He grieves through uh, this process of losing Saul and losing Jonathan in this song of lament. He takes notice of the loss. Um, write these down. Uh, I'll just read through them. Um, this idea of noticing, you find it all throughout the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 42, verse 3. Psalm 42, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, Where is your God? Psalm 43 verse 2, You are God my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Psalm 77 verses 7 to 9, Will the Lord reject forever? Will He never show His favor again? Has His unfailing love vanished forever? Has His promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has He in anger withheld His compassion? The writer says. Psalm 88 verses 6 through 8, you have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your ways. You've taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. And you could go on and on through the Psalms. They ask difficult questions of God. They express deep, deep-rooted Emotional challenges that people uh, in life will face in, in, in the toughest times, in the darkest times. It's a really honest uh, approach. To a mighty and awesome God. Uh, and they ask questions. If God is, is good and loving, why is this? Why, why is He not doing something? If God is good and loving, why He allow this, this to happen? Uh, and we all know Psalms are not doctrinal assertions, right, or validations of, of bitterness toward God or, or criticism toward God. They're, they're prayers and songs of people who are going through uh, emotional turmoil. Uh, but they do express that, 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 that raw emotion on a heart level that loss and grief and sadness uh, can bring uh, in our lives. Manny's going to come up and share a little bit um, about the Psalms as well here.
1: Yeah, I, I love the Psalms because they're so honest and so raw. Um, and, and then the Psalms show, show me and show us that God's okay with negative expressions. It's okay to express when we're angry or hurt or troubled or he wants to know know that about us. Um. Sorry. Let me just pick this better. Just hold it. Okay. Um. We know that David was a man after God's own heart, and um. Sorry. Yeah. So we and and so we, it it was helpful for me to think if if David was a man after God's own heart, then God really valued this part of who David was. Mm-hmm. He valued this ability to be express. Everything express the things that are really hard, to be honest with the things he questioned. Um, I thought, how would I feel if a man today was expressing himself the way David was? I think I would be critical. I think I'd think that was weak, or, wow, he just really needs to... Or a woman, too. I mean, I think that we're even harder on men with emotions, but they need to pull it together. They need to, you know, they need to figure things out. But that's not the way... God deals with David. He lets him, and you see that through the Psalms. You see the struggle and almost always by the end of the Psalm, he has turned himself back around yep. and he's come to understand, the, not even understand, he's come to accept and find peace in his relationship with God. Um, in order to uh, to heal, we have to look back and and Psalms, they often, like I said, end with a faithful outlook But no, but being willing to notice, I think it's, we all cope differently with grief, and that's okay. Um, but in order to move through it, we do have to let ourselves notice. We do have to let ourselves feel. We have to uh, be honest with ourselves and honest with God about what we're really feeling.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, keep calm and carry on. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a great British mindset, right? And it's done a lot of good, you know, for the, for the British people over the years through some tough, tough times. But spiritually that can really hinder us. Spiritually that can can keep us from dealing with the things that God wants us to deal uh, with and from feeling the things that we need to feel to get to a place where we can find our security even greater and even more in God Himself. And God uses uh, our our noticing of our losses and our noticing of grief and mourning to help us, uh, to heal us, to take us to places we normally would not go unless we go through that. Um, And so noticing is is, is that first uh, challenging phase as you will and for me that's not a natural thing. I don't want to feel those things. I don't want to go there. I'm very uncomfortable. Even if Mandy goes there, I'm like, I'm just trying to fix it. You know, that's just not my my natural inclination at all. Uh, but it's one that we see a man after God's own heart very comfortable in. And one that we must go after if we want to get closer to God's heart too. So the first phase is noticing. The second is waiting. The second phase is waiting. This might even be the harder one. Um, you know, often, uh, you know, once we notice loss, we, loss, we feel grief. There, there's a period of, of confusion, a period of uncertainty, and that may be theological confusion, theological uncertainty. We read some Psalms just now that kind of kind of you know you know state that a bit. Um, you know, Psalm six, verse three. I think describes, you know, how it can feel sometimes. It says, my soul is in deep anguish. And then the writer says, how long, Lord? How long? You know, this idea of waiting, waiting for God to answer, waiting for God to give us clarity, waiting for God to heal us. Uh, Theologian uh, Walter uh, Brueggemann uh, says the Psalms can be divided into three types. Uh, there are orientation psalms, you know, enjoying God's goodness, blessings, and the joy that can be found in Him. I think of Psalm 19, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God That's how it starts. And it just talks about God's awesomeness, right? It orients us uh, to His goodness. Uh, but the second type, and, these, and a lot of them are this, is, are those of disorientation. Those of disorientation are a lot of the other psalms. Seasons of hurt, suffering, struggle... Uh, which brings sadness and, 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 and overwhelming announcement, You know, what we might call the dark night of the soul. Uh, and then the third is reorientation, when God breaks in and brings joy despite our despair. Uh, and oftentimes, as Mandy said, the, the songs will end where, where, where God breaks through and, and there's joy in the end despite uh, the disorientation uh, that they've been going through. Um, and, and, and so that phase two, that waiting, that disorientation, that confusion... Um, it's a really challenging thing. It's a really challenging thing, but there's a lot of opportunity to learn through that process again if we can wait faithfully and wait patiently on God to work. And Mandy's going to share, uh, we've been reading this book, um, and she's going to share a little bit about some of the, the, the practicals hmm. that this book offers in the midst of confusion in and, and that period of waiting.
1: Yeah. I hate waiting, like I hate waiting for anything. Um, Even today, we were, we were, I wanted something moved, and Forrest didn't have time, so I gathered the girls, and it was painful, and we did it, because I didn't want to wait. Um, and I think that, that waiting in grief is very difficult. Wanting to get moved past, wanting to, and, and it's easy to sort of placate things and put this seal on. Well, I don't know, we can just make up reasons for, why things happen to make ourselves feel better. Um, but there is so much growth. I mean, we know in the Bible the wilderness is where so much happens, and it is in those periods of waiting. And and the practicals he gave, I thought, were really helpful. He gives three ways we can... Um, three things, stages that can help while we wait. And the first is to assess your losses. And those can be big losses. Those can be small losses, like we talked about last time. It can be... Um, Losing Sharon's a huge loss, but it can be losing a pet. It can be losing a job. It can be a failed relationship. Lots of... We, there's a lot, we lose lots of different losses. Um, and all of that matters to God, and all of that gives opportunity for growth. And so journaling that is really helpful. Um, also, we, um, helping others reflect and identify their losses. As we help each other, we heal ourselves in that process as we help each other identify... Yeah, and,
0: and, and in the church we have a lot of, we see a lot of each other's losses, and we and we're right there with each other, and so we really can connect a lot and help each other through those times because we're so connected during times of loss.
1: Yeah, he actually uses this um, he refers to us as we've been healed, he refers to us in this book as wounded healers. And I loved that image, that we are wounded healers. Anyway, I thought it was powerful. Um, and the third one is to really use the Psalms as a guide for everything you're feeling. David expresses every type of feeling, and that can really uh, bring comfort and help while we wait. Yeah. Um, there is an example as well in the book that, uh, of a compost pile. And so it, it's a, some theologian anyways. You can look it up. I'm plagiarizing someone. But they, you know, you think of a compost pile, it's disgusting. It's like old scraps of food and all kinds of yuck. And then you put soil on top of it and it fertilizes and it becomes the, the best stuff to make things grow. And he, he uses that analogy to say that, that, that grief is like that. Like it's, and we put the word, we put the fellowship, we put all the, these things on top of our yuck Mm -hmm. And we actually can make things grow better. We actually become different. And we change because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really helpful for me, that visual.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's a great visual. And, you know, Jesus was in the tomb after he died for three days. You know, we had to... Death saved us, but we had to wait. We had to wait for the resurrection. And so the cross, I think, shows uh, these confusing times of waiting and loss can be used for great good. Uh, And so that's the way God often works in our lives. Um, You know, even through the hard things, God can work about incredible good. But we have to be willing to be spiritual and be godly and be faithful through that hard, challenging, confusing time of waiting. Uh, And then the third phase here um, is just simply that of changing. Uh, we might say repentance, right, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, in the Christian circles, um, that idea of changing. Um, so noticing, waiting, and third and finally here, changing. Uh, sure, surely God is good to Israel, the psalmist writes in Psalm 73, verse 1. To those who are pure in heart, but, as for me, he goes on to say, my feet had almost slipped. I had almost nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he goes on in verse 16 to conclude in Psalm 73, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. And so he's struggling through, you know, he's struggling through noticing... This is not right. The worldly people, they, they get everything they want. Here I am struggling, you know, to be, to be pure and to be faithful. And then he's waiting and then, and, then, and then eventually he enters the sanctuary of God and then he goes, aha, now I get it. He's had that repentance. He's had that metanoia in his mind and in his heart and ultimately in uh, his faith. Um, and, and so the, the book goes on to talk a lot about a lot of these different ways that grief can really change us uh, from the inside out and all the benefits... Uh, and strengths that we can draw from it. Uh, And May is just going to share a little bit uh, from the list there in the book.
1: Yeah, these are so encouraging, about how through this process that the the old births the new. Um, And he says, grief, it breaks something in our fearful self um, and our self-will that wants to run the universe for God. We are kinder and more compassionate. It softens us. Um, He says many things. Absorbing our own pain, we're then able to enter the pain of others. We're less covetous, less idolatrous. Life is stripped of its pretense and non-essentials. We're liberated from having to impress others. We're able to live more comfortably with mystery when it comes to God and his plans. We're not afraid to say, I don't know, and live in a wholly unknowing. Uh, We're characterized by a greater humility and brokenness. We sense the reality of heaven in a new way, understanding more fully that we are only aliens and sojourners on earth, and we are more at home with ourselves and with God.
0: So there's a lot there, I think, that, that, that God can really do and, and how God can really work. But we have to be willing to, to allow God to, to, to come into our lives and to teach us and, and, and to mold us into what He wants us to be, even through the hardest things in life. Um, and so it's not to gloss over that. It's not to minimize that. As we talked about last week, that is our temptation. Because even that, we can say, oh, well, you know, amen, God's going to work good. You know, and that can, that can be really not the right way to respond uh, initially. um, But obviously we know ultimately God will work good, uh, even through the hardest things of life. Um, And so three spiritual stages in grief, noticing, waiting, and changing. Uh, May we learn to lament together uh, and, and somehow find strength uh, in our times of loss. I believe that is what God wants us to do uh, in life and He wants us to do it not by ourselves but together. And amen that we have the church uh, to be there uh, for us and to help us uh, through those those tough times. But we all have to learn. Uh, we all have to grow uh, so we can even be there for each other in a better way uh, through the ups and downs uh, of life. Uh, and certainly the last few years we've had a lot of loss in the church. Uh, and so I think it's great for us to uh, consider this. Uh, and as I even said last week, I feel like this will make us even more evangelistic because we'll be more compassionate, we'll be more like Christ, and those are two things needed uh, even to seek and save the lost. And so none of this is counterintuitive or counterproductive uh, toward the ultimate goal that we have as a church, uh, which is to know God and to help others uh, know Him too. And so God can work, uh, certainly, if we're willing to learn and grow uh, through these challenging times that, that come in life.